are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution. We are the brothers of the Game Recognized Game podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ. And welcome to the Bourbon and Books monthly book club discussion. As a black man in media and black men in education, it's very important that uh, we read and expand our minds and become lifelong learners. And um, the only way you can really do that is by picking up a good read every now and then, Brother Jay. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I'm i excited about this endeavor. It's something different for us. I mean, we've been talking a lot of trash that, you know, we can incorporate uh, a book discussion within uh, the uh, parameters of what we do on the show. And so, hey, we're going to try it out. We're going to test it out and <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But uh, the one thing I can say is that we will be discussing books uh, that have been recommended by our listeners, uh, favorite books that uh, Brother Jay and myself that we really enjoy. And then uh, most importantly, books that uh, kind of extend the message of, of building community that we're all about. And so, um, Brother Jay, I, I'm excited about the opportunity um, I hope we get a lot of participation because people will come to drink with you, but will they come to read and drink with you? Brother? That's that, that's the question, man. You know, I um, we were talking about you know different things that we can incorporate to keep our listeners engaged beyond um, you know our weekly update of content, current events, and you know we've started incorporating the power play, which is a real time um, content upload where it's happening in the moment where we don't really need a full episode but wanted to get some information out to the listeners to uh spark some more conversation because that's the that's the overall purpose of you know the game recognized game podcast was that we get people to have healthy dialogues not just with relationships not just with current events but like race ethnicities right the challenges um hell the stuff that is facing us right now but more more particularly the things that are impacting the black community and so I think this opportunity is allowing us to um, gain some wisdom and knowledge as well as continue the healthy dialogue. Because a lot of times, uh, Kev, we were talking that, you know, we'll, we'll read books and then we are wondering how other people are thinking. And, you know, some people, oh, yeah, I read that a long time ago. I don't really remember what it is. But like being current in the moment, being fully present and having dialogues so that it wasn't one, a waste of your money for buying the book. Two is not a waste of your time in reading the book. And so going beyond the words on the pages and making sure those words happen in dialogue so that something good can come out of it, whether it's personal development, professional development, or community development, um, I think it's important. And one of the quotes that I used in our, um, in our marketing for our designs was, I believe there's power in words, power in asserting our existence, our experience, our lives through words. Um, and that was by Jasmine Ward, who was the author of The Fire This Time, A New Generation Speaks Out About Race. And so <clears throat> just from that, I, I think that that was inspiring to actually tell us to hit the play button on Bourbon and Books. And, you know, once a month, we're, we're giving we're giving our, our, our listeners, we're getting our follower base the opportunity to read a book and then have the opportunity to engage with other individuals to get their interpretation, but also 
um, action steps, how we can incorporate this into our daily lives to be better than what we were before we read it. Man, and uh, the first book that we're kicking off with uh, was a, a recommendation from one of our listeners, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Brother Jay? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, we talked a lot about love and relationships and marriage on the show um, this season. And uh, someone came to us and said, well, they would like to receive our feedback on a particular book that is entitled, Is Marriage for White People? How African-American Marriage Decline Affects Everyone by Ralph Richard Banks. Um, when I read the title, I laughed and chuckled. Um, but what I've noticed and experienced is that uh, marriage has been on the decline. I know in my own community, <laughs> in my own household, if you will. And so, uh, I, I think this is a, a good starting point, you know, based on some of the content that we've, we've gone over this season, Brother Jay. Mm -hmm. Would you say? I do. I do. I think... Um... A lot of our conversations that we've been having on air as well as behind the scenes, dealing with relationships with our, our guests, dealing with relationships um, within our followers, and then just, you know, within our close circle. I think this, this is a, the title alone is interesting. Um, and so uh, the first couple pages of the book, the author goes into some deep statistical um, analysis and gives us gives us some some empirical data that we could definitely use. And so I think um, this will give us some more talking points, right? Considering the questions that they are asking, considering the questions that uh, we are asking, considering the issues that I know some of my clients are are having the issues that a lot of couples that I know are having, but aren't communicating. And so I think, I think one, this is going to be a good read. Well, I think one, this is a good read for us, but two, I also think that this is a, you know, going echoing what I said earlier, a good conversation starter. Most definitely, man. Um, you know, and, and reading the foreword and, and kind of uh, looking at what set the tone for the book. Uh, excited about it thrilled about it and i think it will be some good content that uh people will receive man and so hey leave it up to us to get the conversation started whether it be an awkward one or not <laughs> it, absolutely it, it absolutely. will be a conversation oh interesting one. <laughs> so in, enjoy the series uh it'll be a monthly thing that we're doing and um definitely send in your recommendations or insight on what you hear uh, during the, the book discussion. Um, if you have any feedback, de definitely reach out to us on all of our social media platforms at GRGRLJKEV. Um, send us an email to our Gmail account. Uh, tag us in Instagram posts of books that you're reading. And uh, hey, we're looking to build community and have conversations, man. We appreciate you. Is marriage for white people? The Decline of African-American Marriage and How It Impacts Everyone by Ralph Richards Banks. Just a question alone, bro. So like yeah, we, man. when we decided to do this book, the question alone sparked conversation um, within our inner circles to the point where we were examining marriages within our families, marriages within our communities, marriages within, you know, our professional networks, like our individuals married. Does marriage continuing the tradition 
at a younger age or are more people looking at it as a, ah, I do what I do and if I don't, I don't. And so um, what better time than the present to examine this book and to have some healthy dialogue? And I'm excited for tonight's conversation. Off rip, what were your thoughts? And I asked this in the group, what were your thoughts about the title of the book is marriage for white people? For me, man, it was, it was provocative because um, you know, this concept of the American dream to have this uh, single family home, two and a, two and a half kids, a dog, you know, happily married where the husband is bringing home, you know, six figures plus and the wife has the option to work or uh, they have an equally uh, impressive job and position and title and they're, they're managing and balancing all of these family roles and responsibilities and having this great life. Yo, I just didn't, I, I don't think it's realistic for black people, man. You know, with the current state of affairs. And so um, the, title, the title spoke to me because I'm like, I can see that. It was like, hmm, is marriage really for blacks? It had me question. It, it was almost like assuring because I had already had like, not not necessarily a cynicism, but you know, having been been married before and divorced and going through all of the all of the different cycles of trying to find a mate that's suitable for marriage that they went through in the book. Like I went through those cycles, and I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't agree with certain perspectives within the book, just because I'm like I guess one of the smaller percentages of African-American men that are eligible, but they kind of, they kind of shitted on us a little bit in the book. Like if you're educated, if you're educated and you have options, then what are you doing? Because there are all of these w women out here who haven't been married and your, your standards are either too high or you want to play the field. And it made a seem it made a seem gigolo-ish. Okay, I can I can see that. I yeah, see but but to, but but even just through my own my own personal experiences, like yo, I don't see people my age happily married. Blacks, my you know colleagues and my network friends, family. I haven't seen people in my age like happily married okay. through ups and downs because you know a lot of my friends have you know. Most of my friends, if they are married, they've been married maybe 10 years tops. So, you know, you shit really doesn't hit the fan <laughs> until year seven anyway. So I haven't seen like, you know, the uh the the process or the setup that people spend 30, 40, 50 years together happily married. I seen people at each other's throats though. Was that oh, okay? I'll save that question for it. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll shoot it to Jeff. Jeff, what was your thought about the title before reading it? You know, I think we all can agree in terms of titles of books, it's always great when the title is like captivating. It's like, hmm, I want to know more. This this isn't something that I would say, hey, I'm looking for a book on marriage, but this made me kind of think about just marriage in general from a different light that I wouldn't say I previously would have like kind of thought about or just kind of pondered. So I, I would say I took this title very literal first, like is marriage for white people? I'm like, is it? 
see? I'm like, again, I'm like, I'm like, is it for is it for white people? And then when it says, you know, how the African American how the African American marriage decline affects everyone. So then I'm like, wow. So are, are we saying that? So then, as a single person, I'm like, maybe I need to be married to make sure like my people are still like to make sure we're not only still here that but we can still progress to be honest in the beginning before i even picked this book up i was almost like ninja like marriage is like you have to do this like to save your own people to like, save the race <laughs> I mean, like, yo, hey jeff i had that same level of pressure i'm like damn man am i not am i not upholding my race you gotta jump the broom, the jump the broom to uphold the race. It's yeah, like, like no, and that's that's kind of like what I um was kind of getting from it. I, I'll also share that, and sharing that somebody had bought this book for me. I recently had some white folks from my job following me on social media, which I don't really play the whole personal versus professional thing, but that's another story for another day. How they're following me, they're white, obviously, and I didn't want to share the title of this book because I'm like, I didn't really want to talk to them about this. And they are they are married, but we're not even cool on that level. So I'll say this, 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 this title, it, it, it brought me in. It wanted me to just ask more questions. I also felt like there was a charge for, there's something like for me to do in terms of like marriage. And if I want like my people to um, succeed. And on top of that, a lot of women was like, hmm, let me know how that book, like, let me know how this book is. And then I'll- See, see you part of the problem, man. You look, 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 you, you get, you casting your net because of after the book. After nine, after <laughs> nine. <laughs> well, I, I, said, I just said, I said, okay, I'll, I'll let you know how it is just in general, the, the book, like if I recommend it. So that's, how, that's, that's what I took just from the title. Nice. I think for me, um, when I saw the title, I'm like, Good question. That is a good question. And then, like, Kevin, I was thinking about, yo, who who around me is married? And then thinking, how did they get married? Like, was it a normal progression? Was something happen? Or was it, you know, first come love, then comes uh, carriage? Or first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the baby carriage? And then I'm sitting here thinking, like, no. Most of the individuals my age are married because the carriage was on the way. Mm. And like the pressure of, of, of the norms within the church or pressures within the norms of the culture of the family. Mm. Like you can't push nothing out until you jump over this broom. And so I was just like, damn. Then I started thinking about, you know, um, my brothers, are, are they all married? Um, my sister isn't married. Um, thinking about other individuals my age within my families, like on my father's side, on my on my mother's side, and I'm just like, is marriage for white people or is marriage for older people outside of this new millennia of generations? So I'm sitting here thinking like, hmm. I've gone to a lot of uh, weddings but then I've also heard about a lot of people divorcing, right? And as a photographer, I've shot a lot of weddings, 
Um, I've officiated a few weddings, you know, book me at uh, RLJ at you know. Um, but then just thinking of the concept, like a lot of people are getting married for the wedding and not for the marriage. And so this book, it's for two days, I was just pondering on the title and I was like, mm, this, I, I think this may be heavier than what my brain can, like the bandwidth of my brain can allow right now. But um, I was intrigued by the title, um, and as I dove into the book, um, it was research heavy for the first 40 pages, mm -hmm. hell, 50 pages, it was research heavy, and so I had to put on my psych hat and read the data, but then also not get annoyed or bored because I knew it was setting the stage for what was to come. Um, but it did have me questioning a lot. I did feel as if black men were the cause of the decimation of marriage. Yeah. Um, and then the next page, I was like, oh, okay, it's not our fault. All right, it's not our fault. We're back in it. And then two more pages of research, I'm like, well, shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it, it is our fault. Um, you're but going was, to jail. You're going to jail. You're dating white women. <laughs> yeah. like, you're too, the, the, the ones that are too educated, you want to be players. And then the concept of dating down. So, I mean, it was so many things that I, was yeah. just, I had to reevaluate. But the funny part is I started examining the individuals mm -hmm. that I was close to, right? Individuals that I interacted with on a daily basis. And I was just like, hmm. Like my homeboys from college, who they were dating the conversations we had when we were dating in college, hmm. the conversations that we had after we graduated college and we gather and we update each other on relationships. I'm just like, hmm. damn, it's okay. And, and there was like a lot of the things that the author discussed, I have experienced or I have witnessed. And so I was like, oh, this is, this is heavy. And now I'm sitting here thinking like, yo, this is a black marital pandemic. And I, there was many times I had to reread some stuff. Like I had to read it, close it and sit with it. I literally had to like, that's a therapy term, sit with it. I had to sit with it and find out like, why is this evoking questionable thoughts? Why is this making me reflect on things? But overall, I, I would say that that was, that was my thought on the title. What was your um, what was your favorite part of the book? Oh man. Well for me, um I had to, you know, I'm trying to, you know, my old head, man, I'm trying to get used to taking notes and, and highlighting on the tablet, you know what I mean? And so it, it hit different when you do it, it hit, on the tablet. Yeah, it hit a little different, man, a little different. But uh I did highlight uh, something that stuck out to me <clears throat> in reference to, uh, you know, the children of failed marriages, the children of, of failed marriages. And um, one of the pieces that uh, stuck out to me was when I felt like, I'm like, man, I felt kind of attacked mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and they're talking about um, it says, no, no group of parents have been as reviled, condemned, and criticized as black fathers. You know, poor, unwed fathers have been 
uh, denigrated by the likes of Bill Cosby, who accused them of trying to run away from their responsibility. Even president, presidential candidate at the time, Barack Obama, during a 2008 Father's Day speech at, Chicago, at a Chicago church, urged, we need fathers to realize that responsibility does not end at conception. We need them to realize uh, that what makes you a man is not the ability to have a child, it's the courage to raise one. And then he charged, you know, too many fathers have abandoned their responsibility, right? And uh, the author talks about how that assessment is somewhat misguided, and people use that as a one-size-fits-all description for all black fathers. And I took offense to it because uh, I think in a, a previous chapter, or it might have been in that same chapter, they talked about how if a marriage doesn't work between a black man and a black woman and their children involved, the father's relationship with the child is managed by the mother. And so in order to have a relationship with the child, as you know, if, if you want to be in the child's life or if you want to spend time with the child or take the child on a trip or have the child come live with you, the relationship is then managed by the mother. So it's almost like by default, you're automatically, like the ties to your family are severed because you're not, you're not getting along with the child's mother. Mm. And then it talked about, you know, especially when it, with divorce and, you know, having experienced this myself, especially with divorced couples, you know, perhaps emotions get involved if one of the parents is dating somebody else. And then if the, if the mother is managing that relationship with the child, the mother might not like the fact that, oh, there's no good, there's no good successful man. He out there with other women. So therefore, I'm going to take it out on him and you leverage the child as collateral in the process. And so it, it resonated with me, man, because like, I just feel, even if you just think about something as simple as child support, the system looks at numbers versus context and nuance. It looks solely at the numbers versus context and nuance. So on one end, you're responsible for financially providing for your child. On the other end, you're also responsible for spending time and being the father and being present in that child's life. However, you don't have autonomy or control in either category. And I'm just like, it was a couple instances where it went back to, well, yeah, the, the educated black man that might be uh, a, a considered an equal with, with the black women they articulated as far as being educated, having successful careers. If you are a black man in that, in, that, in that space, you have to overcome a lot of challenges from within your relationship, outside of your relationship, and to uphold a marriage in the process I, like, I just felt like they, the book was looking for somebody to blame. And, and honestly, Brother Jay, I felt like, man, me, you, Jeff, we could probably fit that description in the book. But being successful, being educated, having ambition, having goals, it's almost like we're being penalized for it. Because the more ambition we have, the more drive we have, the more access or exposure we have to different kinds of women. And then we were also the culprit for that. <laughs> Yes. Oh, so, so I wrote that down. And the funny part was I was I was going for my evening walk. And so I couldn't really like I stopped in the middle of the path and I was trying to type. And then I was about to screenshot it and send it to you like, yo, 
what are your thoughts on this? And I was like, nah, I'll just wait for the conversation. And then something else happened. I was like, nah, I'll just wait for the conversation. And then I kept turning the pages. And I was like, well, damn, we really are to blame for like destroying the nucleus of the black community, right? If marriage, the, the institution of marriage is destroyed, it sounds as if, you know, like if there's a divorce, it was an assumption that the child automatically lives with the mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And the man has to live, move out. And then the man is in contact with the child. But then if the man remarries, then he doesn't see the child as much. And then relationships are developed and then they move away. And so now the, the father doesn't have a presence in the family. And it was it was a lot. It was a lot for me to take in as I was like trying to take notes. I was like, ah, I could see this. But then it was like, ah. What I wanted the author to do was lean more in terms of like, we under we kind of understood the why, but he didn't really go into what are some of the reasons these things are happening other than men have choices, women don't have as many choices. Yeah, it was almost like, oh, well, here are the data points. Looks pretty bad, doesn't it? And I was waiting for like, okay, and the solution is... If I can chime in, so I kind of got sidetracked off at the beginning of the book. Like, I'm an avid reader, but and I'll read anything, literally. I don't really care what it is. I just like to read. But I did feel like the author was kind of trying to say, like, there aren't that many options. But for women, however, I don't think there are going to be any options if you're not looking for options. If you don't have an expectation that there are options that are out there. I don't care what it is. There could be a limited view. But if you don't believe that there's going to be something that's for you, you're not going to find anything. So if you shut your mind off, then literally that's going to be it at that point. Um, I think that the author was just kind of venting about what the reality is of the Black community right now in relationships. So so to her point, you know, to her point, like, he, he threw out a lot, of, a lot of data, which was good to set up the context. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, you say, okay, well, black women, you have, you're educated, you're powerful, you're successful. You also have limited options because black men are in jail. They have STDs. They, they're deadbeat fathers. Uh, you know, they, they're less educated. They're more blue collar workers than white collar workers. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, I have limited on, options. But right? then the author, but then the author also incorporates some data points. And Tiff, I would actually like your feedback on it, where because of these limited options, then women automatically uh, go into a space where they're creating environments that aren't really conducive for marriage. Like one of the instances where the author talked about uh, man sharing, right? Mm-hmm. That some women, you talked about if, if you're out there and you're looking for expectations, if you don't have expectations, then yeah, you, uh, you, you'll have limited options if you're not seeking options. However, they also kind of stuck out that women settle for a lot of options that might not be ideal either. That also leads to some of the problems. Women set up for options when they don't know who they are. Like, I don't feel that I have limited options, right? Because I truly believe in my heart of heart and and at my core that I am going to be connected to what I am in this space to be able to receive, right? Like, so if I believe that that I'm gonna have God's best for me, I'm going to connect to that. I don't believe that there are limited options. I think that we put ourselves in this space to limit ourselves to believing that we will have limited options. I don't believe that 
I think it's all in perception, right? Like there, the, the true facts are what they are. There are challenges or whatever the case may be. But those black men that they were speaking of, I don't know them, right? Like I don't know these men that are in jail and whatever the case may be that kind of limits the options. I don't know them. And so if I don't know them and that is not my reality, then that's not going to be my perception. So I believe that black men are strong. I believe that black men are powerful and I believe that they are available. So if I believe that they are available, they are going to present themselves to me, right? Well, what if the data, according to the author, the data says otherwise? It can, but that's not reality. That is not my reality. So that's why I think I was kind of in and out, kind of tuning it in and out, even though I finished the entire book. But I was, I just could not, I couldn't receive that perception of reality because that is not my reality. So you 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 felt that the book was somewhat bleak as well. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. That's fair. That's something. Um, before you before you hopped on the call, that's something. Um, the fellas we were talking about, like, damn man, this joint seemed pretty sad. Like, as black men, we feel like we got the weight of the world of the black community. It's on our back. But I would say, you know, based on everything that was described, women kind of feel that same pressure, on top of the biological clock ticking, on top of you know. Uh, the perception that there are no available black men out there for you. Like, that's a lot of pressure. I think our reality is whatever we make it to be. So what do you think, after reading the book, what is the impact on the contents therein, on your um, perception of marriage as well as relationships? That the black community is in trouble. Overall, I think that that's what, that's what the perception is. We are in trouble as far as relationships, as far as parenting, as far as marriage. Um, just overall, the Black community is in trouble. And for me, nothing is external. We have to look internally to figure out how to fix those core issues of what the issues really are. So until we decide to take a look internally, nothing's going to change. But overall, I think the perception is that the black community is in trouble. Ron, repeat that question again. What, what is, after you've read the book, what is your, um, what was the impact that it had on the perception of marriage or relationships for you? So I'll say this for me, it just had me asking more questions. When I read it, I just wanted a little bit more. Obviously there are things in terms of data, I, like we know, okay, there's an imbalance in terms of college educated women versus college educated men, but I thought it would dig to a deeper level. On, on some fronts it did do that, but on other ones it didn't. Uh, that first question that this book asks, is marriage for white people? I don't think it never really answered that question. You basically just said it ain't for black people, but you ain't necessarily saying, you know, it's a it's a white thing. I guess that's the assumption, but just because they're able to have air quote success, that doesn't, you didn't present enough information for me to classify it as, hey, this is, marriage is for white people. Um, so I'm, I'm not necessarily sure on like my stance, but one, a couple of things that I'll, I'll point out it wasn't one thing that was just riveting. It was a couple of things that was brought up that just made me go, hmm, 
Um, and I'll just read just a few little lines of it. Like when they said marriage decline restricts the growth and security of the black middle class, the fact that you have two, hypothetically two um, folks who are doing good, who, who built something. So obviously you can have more. I never, even though that may be coming, I never really thought about it from, from that regard. So that made me kind of think about a couple of things. Another one, which I know this book wasn't built, I don't think with millennials in mind, but when it talked about marriage is now less a means of building a life and more of a means of enjoying life, I feel like that's more the millennial um, outlook. You know, it's not all about, hey, I come from this family, my, my parents expect this. It's like, look, this is what makes me happy. I, I, I feel like there are a lot of friends who the things that they have done in terms of who they've decided to marry or be with or not get married and co-parent, that goes against what their parents believe in. But again, I think it goes back to this whole thing of, look, I'm here to enjoy my life. I'm not here trying to build this specific like life that society or people outside have um, kind of created. And the last thing that I will um, say in this book that also had me kind of like, okay, when he, when he talked about um, essentially sometimes women may set the bar too high in terms of you may have had these great relationships. And so, and I think, you know what? I can't even say women. I think men and women do it where you've had these great relationships with people and you're taking like the best parts of everyone and you're, you, the person you want to marry this is what you've created. And it's like, I don't think nobody can really graduate to that. And that's a mistake I think that a lot of us make. So. It's like, do you want a partner or do you want a science project? Ex any, exactly. To, to, I think he either said that or to his point about that. The last thing I'll say too made me think about this book in terms of um, the woman being college educated and marrying someone who isn't college educated. Maybe I should think about my parents. My mom, master's degree, did all these things. My dad essentially started college, was on like a um, sports scholarship. And my dad is very, my dad not, he not street, but he from the street. It's like, he from the neighborhood, but he ain't hood. So when my dad got there and they were talking about other stuff, my dad was literally like, forget you, I'm going back home. And my dad's always been a hard worker. And it's like, it's funny because a lot of things that I think this book say like they struggle with when you, you have somebody who's college elite and like somebody, I do feel like my parents, like they make it work. Oh, I should also say that I wouldn't call them uh, high school sweethearts, but they, they dated since high school. Okay. Um, they've struggled with some of the things that they bring up in the book in terms of my mom wants to travel. My mom wants, you know, another house. My dad's just like, look, this house already paid for. Or, you know, think like, I feel like if he had these other experiences, his outlook would be a little bit different. And it does call a lot of attention. But Jeff, that to, to your point though, uh, as far as like using your parents as an example, he states in the book about, uh, he talks about um, <clears throat> going, going into marriage without a script. And so what you just described, your, your, your parents, you know, they dated since high school. They didn't have a script as far as what marriage was supposed to look like, man. You know, some of the conversations that uh, 
he articulated that we kind of failed to have before we decide to really get married. Um, it's like, we hope for the best, right? We go into the marriage with no script, no plan, essentially. And then we find out that, uh, we have different value systems when it's time to make a decision based on our value systems. Like, how do you rear children? How, how, uh, you know, do you believe in, in further, uh, higher education? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, how, how are your finances? And the fact that most relationships in the black household are impacted by finances, you never have those conversations or have a blueprint that you are, or at least a set of norms that you can abide by when you go into marriage in the first place. And so according to everything that he cited in the book, you all, you all, you starting at a deficit. Mm-hmm. I know, I at least know in, in my marriage, you know, uh, we started at a deficit because I, we went in that joint with hope, <laughs> hope and no plan and no, and no discussions about, all right, well, um, you know, one of the pieces in the book that stuck out to me is talked about, it talked about how women are so much successful than men, right? That was never the case in my marriage. You know, I'm not to toot my own horn, but you know, my, my ex-wife had a master's degree. I had a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Right. So I looked at it like, all right, yo, if I was able to go out here and get it, then you should be able to go out here and get it. Cause the data says that you have the better chance and the better shot of going out here and getting it. Mm-hmm. And so when you see that, all right, well, Hmm, the text is saying that, you know, your wife is supposed to look like this or do this, but maybe she doesn't have the interest or, or, you know, motivation to do that. Or maybe that wasn't her thing. Once again, we went into it without a script. So we having conversations about, all right, well, what does your career look like? What does your, uh, you know, what, what does, you know, we bought a house, you know, we bought a house, you know, for me, it was a starter home for her. It was like, Oh, I could be here for a while. And I'm like, okay, well, this is a great house, but you know, like we together. So we build up to get something better. Right. But that's a conversation we probably should have had before we jumped the broom. Right now. And and yeah. Let me just say one, one thing, Ron. I, I think really that's probably what the book should have focused more in on. When we talk about black marriage versus white marriage, a lot of times white couples have a good foundation in terms of two parents married, making it work, et cetera. Whereas black people don't necessarily have that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, again, just thinking about like my grandparents, my uh, mother's parents, my father's parents, they weren't married. It wasn't like they came into it like, oh, this is, like you said, that script. This is what we should do, X, Y, and Z. And, and because we don't have that script, this is why marriage probably just is so challenging for us. And and that can be a big uh, reason why we have, why, why African-American marriages aren't lasting as long as um, we would hope they would. Or and then, you know, you, uh, when you look at the data points, it's, they're talking about, well, yeah, well, you know, regard if you're a white male, regardless if you're educated or not, you're in. You're gonna find a mate, and you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. Right. So, but if you're if you're if you're black and you're a male, then if you're poor, then yeah, you you don't have a shot at getting married. If you're <laughs> successful, then you don't have a shot at getting married because you're too choosy. But why is marriage considered to be successful? Right. Like that's that's like one of the things that I don't I'm still yet to figure out or really understand. Like we were talking about in another conversation, as I think it was for the podcast. My parents have been married. for I'm 39, 38. My parents have been married for at least 45 years. Right. And I am having to undo the things that I've learned 
from their 45 year marriage that isn't considered to be conducive as healthy in my 40 in my 38 39 years on this earth now right but also like we, i feel like we are considered to be or what what the author was considering to be successful in a marriage why is that successful we as a community are just totally different people so why are we trying to conform ourselves in this box on this plateau of something that isn't really for us right like it's it just doesn't work for us we are different people we are we're just different so why are we trying to fit in this box and then consider setting the bar to what we consider to be success in a bar that doesn't work for us yes and so what I will say is a lot of my married clients, when we're having these conversations, conflict resolution and there's challenges, um, I say, all right, cool. Let's start at step one. Let's talk about, you know, what was the conversation like when you decided you wanted to get married? What was, did you go to, you know, did you go to marriage counseling? Like before you got married, did you, did you have these tough conversations? And a lot of the individuals, they're not doing it, right? Because a lot of our individuals our age, they are either not going to get married through their church where the pastor is requiring them to go through training. Um, not training, but counseling. Um, one example in the book when it talked about the young lady wanted to get married in the church. She was Catholic. Her husband or her partner was not. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, all right, cool. In order for us to marry you, you have to go through six months of training right? Six months of counseling, six, like, so we can make sure there's a firm foundation there and that the church can put its stamp on it. Um, a lot of individuals that come to me before they get married, I ask a whole lot of the questions like, all right, cool. What's your favorite? Like, wh where do you want to go on vacation? How much, how much would you, if I give you $5,000 today and to go on vacation, 5,000 each, what would you do with it? And so you get two different types of answers and you was like, hmm, do you like the heat on or do you like the air on? Like, what's the temperature you wanted in the house? No one talks about this, but then when we move in, you like it on 79. I like it on 68. And so now when I have it on 68, I'm being inconsiderate of you because you want it on 79. And it's not that, hey, maybe we're being inconsiderate of each other and we both have to compromise. It's like, no, 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 no. One person has to rule over the other. And it talks about the inferiority within relationships, that dynamic that one person always has to be above, not, Absolutely. On, mm -hmm. right? not on the equal level. And I think even before we get to marriage, individuals our age are having this problem in relationships, right? They're having this problem in relationships. And it's like, well, shit, if y'all can't mutually decide on the restaurant to eat on Thursday night, how the hell are you going to decide the philosophy and pedagogies of child development when you have children? Like, I know that your uncle, like, we go to your house, they don't want your, uh, don't, don't, don't let the kids around uncle so-and-so. So why the hell was uncle so-and-so still invited to the family cookouts, right? And so now when we come home on the ride back, you know, you know we're not fitting to come to too many uh, family functions with him around. Oh, no, he's fine. No, no. No, no. That's not how that works. But now it's too late because in three months, you about to push a baby out. We never had a conversation because I just found out about uncle so-and-so. And now we have these problems. And so it, it, most of the stuff that was indicated within the, the mysteries of the bound of the book, it dealt with the lack of conversation and communication. 
Absolutely. Right? Like, we all had yeah. different different levels of expectations. Like, mm-hmm. you're, uh, Jeff, you gave a good um, an example. Like, your mom wants to travel, and your dad was like, uh, we good here. Like, uh, we can go on a Sunday stroll. No, I want to catch a flight and go out. Of- Why we got to do all that? Yeah, you know, it's food in the refrigerator. The bills is paid. We we good. We win. Why, why we am I going to pay for a hotel to stay at somebody else's spot that I don't yeah. own? Right. My mortgage payment is X, Y, and Z a month. What I'm gonna go spend money to go stay at a nice hotel for a weekend? For? And well, Look it's, at about, this house. The, it's oh, about the experience. I just get this bootleg. We got a 60 inch TV here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the bootleg. with the surround sound, where if I turn on the uh, subwoofer, it's gonna feel like we're in the theater. What we doing? I all can watch this movie yeah. as many times as I want. I got my own popcorn, mind you. I'm spitting with my dad. That's yeah, it. and you know what? And you know what? What you're saying makes sense to me. <laughs> to me, <laughs> your dad a smart dude. And that's the thing. I think we 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 sometimes we we create these situations as if we can go to the altar to alter, right? Mm-hmm. I'm but going to get married. Absolutely. It's unrealistic. Absolutely. We're going to get married. We're going to go to the altar to get married. And through this marriage, right, this wedding is going to change how he thinks. This yeah, wedding is going to change they, how they, they think. They talked about the hope in the book, Brother Jay. Yes. They talked about the hope. We go into that joint with no plan and nothing but hope. And and that's the sad, and I think that was sad for me because I thought about a lot of my friends who are in relationships and um, and who are married. Yeah, and and as soon as something gets tough, it's like, yo, I don't even know why I did this. Uh, bruh, you should have thought about that before I got on the flight for but six to, hours. But to put to your to point, you say though, I do. To to your point, you so like, so they he was already in it when he was having second thoughts, right? Yeah, it's too late. However, we would never. I I I think as a culture, uh, at least being transplants from Africa to America, right? Yeah. And that's something that they hit on the book, too, as far as like explanations. And he says that the most common explanation for the racial gap in marriage at best um, is partial. One common uh, intuition attributes the marriage gap to slavery, because when we could, we, we could never legally get married. And so W.E.B. Du Bois, he talks about um, to be a slave meant no legal marriage, no legal family, no legal control over your children, no amount of kindness, kind, kindliness and individual owners could save the system from its deadly work of uh, disin- disintegrating the ancient Negro home. However, that's still like, all right, you didn't, you didn't teach us how to be married, right? But you, right. you put us in this system to say, oh, to be married and be one, that's what you're supposed to do. But then it goes back and states that, you know, in a lot of African societies, you know, uh, the family structure looks different. It's an expanded family. You're not right. just raised by your mother or your father. You're raised by grandparents, aunties, uncles. And as uh, almost 40-year-old Gen Xer, like that was, that, that was my family structure. It wasn't just two people. It was, it was literally, I could count seven, eight people that had the authority to whip my ass and uh and buy me ice cream <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it, it was a collective and so even with that thought in mind to say you know just kind of organically from a cultural standpoint like we're about community and within community who's to say that oh well within this community you need to find that person because they meet these qualifications and that means you are equally yoked or compatible to get married and the likelihood of that you'll have a successful marriage and that's I- not true all right, like it's just not true. 
Um, one of my, the more I learn about myself, Dr. I don't know if you guys, uh, I'm an avid reader. So, and I'm on this journey of learning about the African-American history. And Dr. Amos Wilson really breaks down about how the, like one of my favorite books is the falsification of the African consciousness. I can't remember the name of the title, but it's something like that where he really breaks down why we think the way that we think. And when we have become in this Americanized European uh, psyche and culture of believing that this is what we're supposed to do. And maybe that's why I fell off with the book and with the author, because it's almost like he's he's, he's, the perception was incorrect to me, in my opinion, because he was trying to create this perception of what was considered to be successful. And that's not really correct because you're measuring me and our culture to something that's not real. This doesn't, we don't fit into this. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't fit into this, into this box or this society because it just does not work for us. And because it doesn't work for us, but because this is the way that America believes it should be successful. So this is what we're being measured upon. And that's what the author was measuring us upon. Mm-hmm. That's legit. Where do you, uh, where did you get your, how do I want to word it? This idea of marriage, like, I think everyone at some point has imagine like yo when i get married this is what it's going to be like when you ask a guy this is what it's going to be like what what do you want marriage to look like they're going to identify different components whereas a woman would would too um identify different components and it was like when y'all get married you're still focusing on those components like we got a house we got a white picket fence we got a dog we got a yard we we got enough room in the back to hold family functions. We've made it. But I think that everyone's perception of that is different. Like where I got that from as a woman was my parents, okay. right? Um, and again, I I believe I've answered this question before in another setting, other than other than this. But I measured that according to what my dad looks like, right? And I had unrealistic expectations on what a man should look like and do and how he should make me feel based off of what my father presented to me, which was kind of unrealistic in the, in the terms of what I really needed as a woman. So here I am again, who's looking at a, at a relationship of my parents who have been married for 40 plus years but that doesn't mean just because they've been they've been together for that long doesn't mean that that is a healthy relationship or example for me to look at. Absolutely. Do you so? Uh, I asked uh, one of my one of my clients, and um, the question was, "Have you thought about what you want your wedding day to look like?" Right, and so she sat back, her eyes got wide, and she was speaking like oh, yes, it's going to like this, and these are the flowers I'm going to have, and this is the music that I'm going to play, and this is the setting, and they identified everything that took place. I said, no, great. What does your groom look like? The marriage, yeah. So I've never been a dreamer about weddings. Personally, I'm probably not the woman to answer that, but I hate weddings. Um, I've never liked weddings. So as far as what the wedding looks like, I've 
I've just never been into that. What the mirrors looks like now is totally different than what I probably would have imagined 10, 15 years ago. But this is speaking from a woman who has been engaged three times, who's never been married, but have had experience building onto what my desires really are now at, in, in this season and in this phase of my life. Um, so just coming from the very long relationships that I've been in, you know, six years, seven years, 10 years, um, I've always been that one to be in really long relationships. But to now visualize what my marriage would look like is something totally different than what I would imagine a, a relationship to look like, if that, if that makes sense. Obviously, there's nobody white here to, to say, hey, you know, this is like my frame of mind in terms of like when, we, when they choose to like get married. Do you think in terms of when we talk about the African-American marriage decline, do you think some of the reasons why there's a decline is because black men versus black women look at marriage different? So when I say look at it different, you know, to your point with your client, it's like, I think most women like, you know, they got this idea of, I want the wedding to be this, I want to, you know, this X, Y, and Z. Whereas I, I prior to even reading this book, and as I get older and mature, I look at things a little bit different, but I will always say, I was like, marriage is a woman's thing. I was like, cause if it was left up to guys, I'm not sure if we would get married. Not saying you wouldn't be with somebody for a long time. I just, I've never really had thought about, you know, marriage is gonna be, I just knew one, at, one, at some point that's gonna happen for me, but I didn't um, over, kind of like get so like googly out like say for instance like going to college or <laughs> buying my, my first house like I just didn't I just was like okay this is something that I would do so I'm saying that to say do you think again one of the reasons for the African-American marriage decline is because the way that men look at it black black men in the way versus black women look at it is very different I think I think it has something to, to do with that one of the uh, comments uh, that the author wrote in the book was that, you know, because a lot of men, black men, we wait kind of, we wait late to make a decision if we want to get married, mm -hmm. right? So you'll have someone like myself who's never been married. Well, I, I've been, I've been divorced, but you have a guy that's my age demographic that has enjoyed being single. And as you stated, Jeff, you, you seem to be enjoying single life. You know, buying a home and, and thinking about your future, you know, trying to make sure that you got, if you know, if you did decide to date or have some kids, they got somewhere to stay. Like yeah. your priorities is different. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's, it's, all, it's about survival. <laughs> and then once I shore up my ability to survive, then maybe I could think about who I want to survive with. <laughs> right. And so our mentality is always, it comes from a place of, all right, do, you know, man, we, we don't want to be alone. Let's, let's be for real, man. We right. love women. We love women. It's, it is what it is. I do, you know, but at the same time, what the author kind of has tried to indict us on is that because Jeff, you're so successful, right. And you have options, then you have dated several different kinds of women. And the reason that you haven't decided to get married is because you want, uh, 
the certain qualities from all of the women that you've dated in the past to be in one woman. Therefore, you're waiting <laughs> to make that decision to get married until you find that one person that has all of these different qualities. I disagree with that because I don't think I don't think we that deep. Right. I don't think women that deep. To be honest with you, they say they that deep, but I don't think women that deep either. I think people 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 want people have an idea of what marriage looks like. But then they have they have an idea of what the person that they want to be with looks like, and sometimes it doesn't mesh. Well, not d- d- correct. Yeah. And what I will say is, shit, it's it's tough maintaining a friendship, right? Like, my friends have been checking on me all week, and to some extent, I feel like a horrible friend, but I just have not had the capacity to respond to a text message like, "Yo, you good." Like I've been sending thumbs up because I don't even have the energy to be like, I'm good. Are you? Because at this, at this point in my life, like with everything that's going on, I don't really care if you're good right now because I'm focusing on me and it's rude for me. Right. 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 And so it's like, I feel as if it's rude for me to respond and be involved or engaged in this conversation when I'm really not fully present in it. Right. And so if it's tough maintaining friendships with everything that's going on a lot of us don't realize or understand that this marriage thing ain't something that you can just take out wash it and hang it up on the uh, the, the clothing line in the back in the backyard so it could dry in the sun like no you got to be in this thing right if if shit goes south you 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 go south right and it's like we have come to this point where we are so individualistic in our thinking that we can't shift from individualism to collectivism, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I'm still going to do me. If Tiff and I are married and Tiff got an attitude, well, she going to go her separate ways. I'm going to go down to my man cave. And then when she cool off, then maybe we can have a conversation. Yeah. So and as a woman, right? Like, I don't... And- Mind you, I'm the only woman on this, on on this, in this conversation. I am not sure that the whole idea of marriage in America is set up for women in a certain caliber, right? I don't, and I'm sure you, you guys may may or may not agree with me, but if you are in a certain place career-wise, uh, financially, let you know, let's just let's speak financially. We're talking about a six-figure woman who's bringing this to the table in a in a relationship. I don't think the marriage laws are set up for those women, right? So for me, in that space, I, I don't believe that that it's set up to protect us, right? So I just can't see how or why, unless my husband and I are to agree on something totally different that works for us. Why would it be beneficial to me? Yo, but ditto, check. I agree. I agree as a as a man and and, and you know they identified us, brothers. They identified us in this book. Oh, uh, on educate, several pages. Successful. We are part of the problem. But at the same time, it's kind of like, yo, the way the system is designed, if the marriage goes south, yo, we're gonna be the culprits, man. We're gonna be the bad guy. You're gonna be the bad guy with alimony, you're gonna be the bad guy with child support. And all you was trying to do was do right. But the, especially in the Commonwealth, you know, they're not going to see that. So, t- so <laughs> Tiffany, I agree with you. I agree with you, right? But at the same time, you know, who's willing to give? 
You gonna give or I'ma give? Cause I got as much to lose as you do. Well, yeah. I'm gonna be paying child support in that case. So. That's what I'm saying. So like, that and that's the thing. I think we 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 have this fake or false identity or expectations on what marriage is, and it's like, who told you marriage is supposed yes. to be like this? Yes, yes. So until we get in our own box of what works for us, and maybe that's why I just could not connect to this author. Like, normally I can kind of really connect and identify with what they're saying. But I honestly, I just felt like he was just a, somebody bitter who had went through some things. And he just was, so because he was bitter and, and from his experience, he wasn't able to relate to what it really is. Like, he, he, he tried to allude to it. And uh, the epilogue and, and, you know, his acknowledgments and things like that, you know, going through law school or whatever, whatever graduate program he was in, he wanted to get deeper and take a deeper dive into it. But then when I was reading it, I said, damn, maybe it is just like a research paper because it didn't have feelings. And I'm just like, at some point, I, I, at some point, honestly, man, I thought a woman wrote it, like the tone. The tone of the book, because I'm like, damn, man, this guy, this guy, kind of beating up on us a little bit. It it was and, interesting, and, but I think the most, what was satisfying for me was his points were supported by data. Yeah, yeah, right. And so that satisfied the psyche in me because I'm like, but where, where is the empirical information that I need? And when he gave it to me, I said, well, shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh well, I, I guess I really can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's like once once we get, I tell I tell couples this all the time. You have to get to the point where you create your own definition on what you want, right? Mm -hmm. If I look at Barack and Michelle Obama, because you got to say first and last names. Mm -hmm. If I, if I look at their marriage and say, that's what I want, or the new hashtag relationship goals, right? I am saying that I want the backstory to the front glory, right? Absolutely. I'm, I'm only seeing what they're showing me. Absolutely. And when I say that their relationship goals, that means the good and the bad, yes. right? Because they had to go through that in order for them to be who what they're showing us. But yes. it's symbolism, brother Jay, because we the, the the author opens up the book about the uh, inauguration, uh, Obama's first term, mm -hmm. right? And how man, you have this symbolism, and all of these you know these millions of people are watching, and you have this uh, historic black couple that resemble power, and prestige, and wholesomeness and family, and love, and that's what people want, right? But I also think, and you know, I hate to beat a dead horse, but I also think we have a tendency to look at an image or a symbol and say, that's what I want, but you don't know what it took to get that. Facts. Social media. Yeah, you don't know what it took. Because right. I'm telling you, Michelle done slapped slap President Obama a couple times. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure and she should have. Let's I'm be sure. clear. See, see, look, she co-signed. Yeah. Look, Tiff co-signing already. <laughs> she co-signed already. But, you know, ain't nobody going to talk about that part of it, man. Mm -hmm. you, you never do, right? You never yeah. talk about 
what it took to get there. It's like, I'm here. Now I can talk about what it looks like while I'm here. And so I tell couples all the time, create your own reality, right? You want the wedding of someone else, but does this fit who you are, right? Yeah. Does this fit the person? Yeah, you can it? Yes. That part, that's right. most important. And after, after you jump the broom, are your lights still going to be on? Right? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul? So it's like, yo, let's be realistic, right? You want this magazine wedding? Can I get a magazine love? But then that even peels back the layer of we don't even know what a definition of love is because, Kev, your definition of love could have come from your grandfather. Mm-hmm. My definition of love could be from the neighbor um, and how they care for other people in the community, even though people disrespect them. And so it's like, yo, when we put our definition of love on the table, then all of a sudden it's like, well, shit, our definitions don't even aren't even like synonyms. Like you, mm-hmm. your entry can't be one and my can't be two because we are looking at two different things here. And, I, and our definition, our definition aren't definitions. They're they're either symbols. Oh, I want to love like the Huxtables. Not, not understanding that Claire was really Heathcliff's defense attorney, <laughs> right? Because oh. we have not gotten <laughs> to the point of really going, here I go again, but internally to figure out what it is that we want, who it is that we are, and what works for us individually, because we're so busy idealizing about the Obamas and whoever else and fitting into this American box that we don't know who we are. I mean, a simple question, right? I can say, Kev, what's your favorite type of music? And you tell me. What's your What's your answer? Favorite type of music? Oh, soul music, man. Soul music all day, any any era. Is it Is it your favorite music because you found it by yourself, you discovered it, and it has grown on you? Or was is it your favorite because you were exposed to it and you just became accustomed to it? I think it's my favorite because uh, of both. I was exposed to it and it was familiar to me. But as, you know, different songs by certain artists, I started to then explore that artist. Okay. That's why, that's why it's like, okay, well, man, you know, I, I, I prefer like early 70s James Brown than the 80s James Brown that I might be familiar with right. coming up as a youngster, seeing them on, on the Rocky movie or whatever. Yeah. You know? and, and, and simple conversations like this, like, why do you like the things that you like? Do you like, if you like dogs, like, you know, I love dogs. Why do you love dogs? Because you have one in your house? Yeah. So you really weren't exposed to other animals. No. So you don't really know if you like dogs. You just, you feel like I have to have a dog because I had a dog in the house growing up. It and was I mean, familiar. Yeah. I just, I mean, you got to have a dog. Every house has mm-hmm. to have a dog. Mm-hmm. Because I was, that's what was familiar to me. Not necessarily what? because that's what I like, but that's just what has been, I'm not even going to say comfortable, but that's what has been familiar to me. It's the tradition, right? We, we realize the tradition. What's familiar, what, what is familiar to me. Yeah. Why do we eat turkey on Thanksgiving? Oh, we we're supposed to. Why yeah, to are we supposed to? The yeah. American way. Again, so back to the author, that is what he kind of identified yeah. as being, this is, marriage is unsuccessful for Black people or for, for Black uh, America because we can't identify with what, white Americans consider to be successful. And that's unrealistic. Jeff, you was about to say something. No, I was just I was just basically gonna say, does this conversation lead into his what the author states, um, why black women want black men, like because of this familiarity. So when you talk about 
hey, you grew up with a dog. That's why, you know, you're saying, hey, I love dogs. But it's like, that ain't it. Experience. No, that ain't it. I love black men because I love black men. I love everything about black men, right? I, that's another conversation. We can but keep diving into right, that. The, the author talked about swag. Like some women, they can't date, a, they won't date outside of their race because with black men, there's certain qualities that they can, that they contribute to black men, you know, swag or, you know, style, flavor, whatever, that they That's feel that it. they can't get from a white man. But the author did state that women, that black women put up these barriers, um, preventing them from, you know, have, even letting down their guard to expose themselves to date outside of their race. That's not it though. No. Well, explain. No. What, well, Tiffany, I'm gonna put you on the spot as the woman on the on the show. Today. Because I'm the only one here, right? Yeah, I'm gonna put you on the spot. What do you that. think about what do you think about the man shortage theory um, that he articulated? I don't believe there's a man shortage, right? I think that that is everyone's perception. I okay. I don't believe there is a man shortage. I believe that your reality can be whatever you create it to be. Um, whether it's a man shortage in just culture, whatever the case may be, it's whoever you identify to. And I don't identify to what they consider to be. There is a shortage of men because there's not. Like, I, I, I honestly, I strongly and still truly believe that there's plenty, there's, there are plenty of men out there. They're available. There are plenty of available men. Do you, do you mind, think, do you think we have unrealistic stat? Uh, we have unrealistic expectations as men, as the author stated in the book. Yes, I believe that there are some. There are some unrealistic expectations. However, I think that kind of to that that point of women being um, loyal. I think I don't know what the word it was that you used, but just being, um, I'll say loyal to black men, I think that it is a thing that's kind of innate within us that knows that this is who I can identify to. And women, because we are creators, we create life, we bring forth life uh, in the form of children or however you want to identify that. But I think that there is that thing that's in our core that we have to identify with who we believe that we can create with and who we can create with is that that part that is in the core of us if that makes sense it, it does but i, I can't, i'm gonna push back because i'm curious i'm curious just based on what what the author stated man so you said you you know because it's familiar but it's you know it's black men they're they are men that you can identify with them so that's your dating pool right but according to this book black women don't identify with black men for nothing. What are you talking about? Outside of struggle. That's kind of what I, where I was started with. Outside yeah. of struggle, man. You, you don't That's identify with us based is. on education or income and exposure. You don't identify with us based on our mm -hmm. uh, our professions or industries. You don't identify with us based on... Well, that's what he said. That's what he said. Yeah. Right? And so, but but you said the purpose or the, you know, the, the kind of the, the, loyal, the loyalty to black men is because you know you can identify with them. But the I book says yes. that you can't. And those don't. men that he's saying that we can't identify to, I do not believe that to be true because I don't know those men. I don't have those experiences because that is not my reality. Mm. So I think that he, there are statistics, yes. Um, there is data, absolutely. However, is it everyone's reality? No, it's not. 
what what were your thoughts on the concept of intimate segregation? And that's chapter eight. And so it's a term that has been used here lately within the social construct of race development, um, but coexisting, but limited interaction, right? And so it's like, we can live in the neighborhood with different races. Perception, it's all but, perception. But I don't interact with you. And so more specifically, this intimate segregation of marriage, like we can live in the house together, but there's no interaction, right? There's no it's all perception. Inter you think it's perception? Absolutely, I do. I, I honestly believe that his views were limited. So I, mean, I was kind of kind of in and out. Like, I'm like, you know, I can't believe they got me reading this shit right here. Like, truth be told, like, because it was just like, you know, <laughs> come on. Like, you cannot be serious. Like, I don't believe that you really believe that this is your reality, almost. It was in a sense that, you know, it's, it's kind of, it, our world is whatever we created to be. And I'm in this place that's so focused on creating my own world that anything that contradicts that, I'm going to purposely remove it from my psyche. So I'm going I'm to talk specifically from this term he used, what I highlighted. Um, not necessarily agree with, but I just, it kind of stood out to me. In this section, you know, he says black women are among the least likely of all groups to marry across racial lines. And essentially, he said one in 20 black wives um, are married to someone of another race, which I was like, basically, they just don't do it. And then another part of this section, which I highlighted was when they were describing like black women and essentially like why men from other races may not be interested in them. And he used the term strong and masculine. That's not and true. I was, and I was like, whoa. I, I actually was taken back by he, that he used that term. And I don't know, I, being someone who's black, I don't think I would have classified black women in that regard. Um, I, one of the things that he brought up that I do think was, I'm still just trying to figure that out. I, black women definitely have a loyalty to like, they want to marry a, a black man. I just, I don't feel like, from the people who I know who are black, who all men that all black men have always stated, I gotta marry a, a black woman. I feel like most black men, I've heard them say, I wanna be in love. Like when I get married, I wanna find somebody who I love, who is, you know, who is my equal, not necessarily from like pay, but just from like a lot of like different like sources. So I guess for me, and I guess it's kind of going off topic a little bit, when you talk about the term of loyalty, it still didn't really answer that question on why are black women arts like just so loyal to black men when, again, I'm going off data, when data is showing that when you look at what black women are bringing to the table, that pool of people in that same regard is just very small based off the data. But I will be honest and transparent enough to say that my last situation was not a black man. Kev, don't judge me, okay? Oh, I ain't got no beef with you, man. <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, you love who you love, man. 
you love who you love. But, I'm but, you but, said but that actually. But I'm I'm actually glad you said it because <laughs> the author wants you to take a chance dating outside your race because you essentially and, you'll help the race or at least the data points. I'm here to say, so I went back and 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 researched like when was this book published. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory serves me well, I think it was like 2011 or somewhere around that. But it was a couple of years ago, maybe 10, 10 or nine or 10 years ago, that maybe that was the case then. However, I do believe that Black women are kind of stepping outside of our box and we're realizing, hey, if this isn't an option for me, then maybe I do need to consider other people. And I will say, that was my first experience outside of uh, black men, right? And it's totally different. They, the way that, I would say that was my first experience in dating outside of my race, okay? Let's be clear about that in dating. They treat us differently. The conversation is different. Just the interaction is different. What are you doing? You see her, see her glowing. I know she's smiling. She's glowing. What's that movie? What's that movie? Sanaa Lathan was in, Brother Jay. Oh, white God. Something, something, something new. Something, yeah, something new. new. Yeah. But just the whole interaction was just—it was different, right? But was it different, like good? It was different, like good, because for me, Ron and, and um. I don't know Jeff, but Ron and, and Kev know me. But my whole thing of what I what I desire is compassion. And the whole basis of it was to be compassionate about what I feel. And I don't think I, I don't know, or I, I'm not gonna make a judgment. I'm gonna try not to make a judgment, but I don't I don't believe that black men are taught how to be compassionate about what the black woman needs or what I disagree needs. though. I, I'm gonna call bullshit on that. I'm gonna call bullshit on that. Off the strength of off the strength of like, yo, growing up with a single mother. You know what I'm saying? And watching and watching the different uh dynamics and some of the relationships that she had, right? And it's like, all right, well, I know that this is not what this is not the kind of environment I want. You know what I mean? Having having aunties and, and, and aunties that put their hands on me uh from the time I was born to the time I was twenty years old. You know what I mean? As far as just making sure that uh, I was a gentleman, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I, I learned a lot from women. And I, I think that um, I know I know how to be compassionate and show compassion to a woman, because I've seen a woman at different different states. And if anything, I know what not to do. Right now, did I follow all the robbers rules of order and procedure in my mm -hmm. own marriage? Ah, that's another show for another time and another book. However, I will say that I did. I know how to be compassionate, and it's a result of somebody taught me how to be compassionate. However, I will say that I will say that I also take pride, and I, I believe I have a higher level of emotional intelligence that a lot of people don't have. And and I think what what, what Brother Jay and I have kind of heard based on the show is that we have the ability to articulate ourselves and articulate our feelings where one you can understand it. And you can, you might even see our point in some degree, but I don't know if everybody has that, but I, I wouldn't use it as a cop out that men don't know how to be compassionate. Yo, a gang banging drug dealers, they know how to be compassionate. They just show it in a different way. So I think that is the intention, but if that's what actually is, um, 
revealed and exposed, I think that's something totally different. Would it, would it be fair to say, would it be fair to say that the individuals that you have experienced compared to the individuals that you have experienced, the last situation, that individual showed you more compassion than the ones you have experienced? With a non-African-American. Would it be safe to say that? Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to pull out that judgment piece to say, um, as Kevin said, I don't want you to hang your hat on the fact that that black men don't know how to be compassionate, but I think, you know, your experiences, you know, you, those are real compared to what you've experienced. And so I think that's one thing that we as people get caught up in. If, if I get bit by a dog, if I get bit by um, a German shepherd and I, and I say all dogs bite, right? because my experience has shown that every time I've been bit, it's been by a German Shepherd, but I have this Great Dane that has never bit me. Do I still classify all dogs in the same category, or do I say all the ones that I've experienced? Going into relationships, the individuals that I have dated, I had to, it, it's really weird, and I had to be, I had to be real intentional about how I say this, but when I did a scatter plot of the individuals that I dated. Um, I dated the girls from the South. You know, I, I love a Southern girl. I've also dated girls from the hood, right? I, I dated girls from the West Coast. I dated girls from the Midwest. And so now it's just like looking at geographical exposure and experiences and then thinking about how our conversations is like, were we congruent in what we were looking for? even though we were from different cities, even though we had different upbringings, even though we had different experiences. And the thing that I saw, it's like, mm, we still were trying to figure this shit out. And so to one girl- well, You had too many options, according to- the, According Ralph to the book. Richard, Ralph, according to the Ralph book. Richard Banks, you right? had according, too many options. According to the book, right? But like having these conversations, it's like, yo, we're, we, and I was guilty of this too, we're, we're creating, we're trying to recreate something that we either saw on TV, read in a book, heard in a song, saw in a movie, right? Because when we look at our experiences, we can identify like, there was people that are, you know, that I saw growing up that they were married, but when I, in my head, I'm like, well, shit, I don't want that, right? Like I can recognize one couple, every time there was a function, them niggas was fighting. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, bro, y'all not tired? But then, <laughs> You know, as I get older and I, you know, I've been exposed to some things. I was like, yo, maybe that was just their love language. Maybe. <laughs> fisticuffs. <laughs> the, love, the love language that, of fisticuffs. That's what I was thinking the whole time. When <laughs> Tiffany's talking about compassion, when Kevin was talking about, you know, no, we can be compassionate. I think, to be honest, black people, a lot of times, we just don't understand love language. That part. We that, just that, don't. Yeah, that part. I'm guilty I mean, of that. We, we always think like, well, I, I like to be loved this way. Why you don't do, and guess what? You and somebody else can re can uh, receive or get your love language different. And I think that's something that you have to understand to better yeah. understand the person. Because Absolutely. I know for me, you can be doing all this stuff and I'm like, that don't, don't mean, mean nothing. nothing. Right, yes. <laughs> and you can do something so small. And I'm like, see, that, I'm like, that's yes. <laughs> so I do think love languages is a, a kind of a, a big thing. And I probably, he probably no. more tuned to that. 
Now think about it. Trauma. Like I don't think that they have experienced, you know, and to each is relative, but I don't think that they have experienced the type of trauma that we have, right? And so we have to heal from certain things that we have gone through and we go through this, we should be going through this process to heal those traumas so that we don't pass it on to our offspring. But if they're not having to rebuild from generation to generation, things are, it's just different. It's really different. And, and, you know, going back to Jeff's point about the love languages, how many people that, you know, growing up, growing up at the family reunion was sitting around talking about love languages? We weren't. No. We're talking about love languages. No, we ain't talking about love right? languages. We all we knew was Did you hit it yet? Aunt Aunt so and so <laughs> and Uncle So and so, they gonna argue at every family function. But they've been married the longest out of all these people. And but that's they, healthy. That's how we that's what we identify to being healthy. And that's I wanna, unhealthy. I yeah. wanna be married for sixty years like aunt so and so. You don't you don't understand that for the last 20 years they slept in separate bedrooms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or it might or it might be healthy for them. It's unhealthy for you based on it's what you can tolerate and deal with. It's unhealthy. But yeah. you've had people around because everyone else is like, oh, they've been together. So you got mm -hmm. other people saying that your relationship works. And you're like, yo, I don't, I don't, I, when I get home, I'm hoping she slips and falls in the tub and drowns, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, <laughs> we, we are labeling things that we see from one perspective mm -hmm. and we're not examining the totality of it. And mm -hmm. so going back to the love languages, if I'm an underreactor, and so you can tell me you want a million dollars, and I'll be like, that's what's up. You can also tell me that, yo, I lost my job today. And my response will probably still be on the level of, okay, that's what's up. What do we need to do? Yeah. But my, like, I'm not going to give you a lot of emotional investment in things. That's just because I'm reserving my emotions for things that I think deserve my emotions. Like, you're mad. That doesn't mean I need to be mad with you. Now, I will mm -hmm. sit in that moment with you, yeah. right? But to me, I have been told that I don't care about other people's feelings, right? Um, the stuff that they tell me, it's not important to me. And I'm just like, I, I, I drove seven hours to show up to something that you wanted me to show up to. That's what it's important, yeah. How is that not important? Like I drove seven hours one way to support you. Oh, you wasn't excited enough. What does it, what does that mean? Like I just told you everything that happened from the time the lights lowered to the time the lights raised again. And I was there. I made sure I got a copy of this so we can watch it. I like pointed out things to help you. And like, I don't help me understand. And so like, because I'm an underwhelmed or underreacting person, I, I make sure that I communicate that early on in relationships so that there's no, oh, he's not interested or mm -hmm. he's not really feeling me. I, I just, you're not going to really get that much out of me. So I, I'm still coming, kind of bringing it back to what the author was trying to relate to in just in terms of relationships and marriage. I think I, my personal belief is that he had a bad experience and that he was kind of projecting that onto Black America and the Black uh, society. Um, but I'm also going to say, again, I speak for um, just being, being real honest and real transparent. I'm going to speak for the 
what is considered in America to be the um, the more successful side of the women, the six-figure women in America, right? Being honest and transparent. And I did not have, I didn't, when I had that one experience, and this is my one experience versus my 50 or 60 experiences with, with black men, but that one experience of, that was the exception, I didn't feel that I was in competition. He understood my success, if that makes sense. Well, and I, I, I'm gonna call bullshit success. on that too. I'm gonna call bullshit on that because based on oh, based on the book, based on the book, he he can understand your success because he has a higher probability of achieving that success than we do. So yeah, of course, he, if you exposed to it, then yeah, he can understand. But the book states that a lot of us aren't exposed to that level of success, quote unquote. Therefore, it's our problem. It's our fault as as black men. We fail, we fail in the culture. But then again, I don't know those men. I, I'm not going to say I don't know them, but my experience has been with those that have been in that environment, right? And who can relate to, to that experience. And to me, I feel that they should be able to understand my journey because I'm still fighting in corporate America, right? He can't, he can't understand that. He can relate to it because he doesn't have the challenges. But somebody, uh, uh, an African-American man who understands my journey and knows that I'm fighting on a daily basis to keep that and to sustain that, why can't he understand that from me and, and always feel like I'm, a, I'm in competition or I always feel that like I'm in competition with him? So but I'm going to ask you a question. appreciate my success because it intimidates him for some reason. I'm going to ask you a question. Does it intimidate him or according to uh, the book, According to the, the text, do, do you do you seek do you seek out ways to not reject him, but to change him? I seek out ways to not reject him, but not to change him either. In my older years, ask me ten years ago, maybe my answer would have been something totally different. But he got now, so many qualities, girl. I, I, we can, we ain't gonna worry about. We, he got a temper, but we ain't gonna worry about it. I can work no, with no, that. no, 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 no. We gonna worry about that temper because that temper is anger. That mm. that needs healing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you just said you just understood within the, the latter portion of your life the the necessity of healing. Absolutely. So you didn't know nothing about healing. Ten nothing years ten ago. years ago. Absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely right. He was like, "Oh, the rage is so sexy. He just no, so passionate. Yeah, it was. He's showing so much now, compassion. No. It's so rage. It's so much rage. That's proper now. It, it really is. You know, my my last engagement and my three engagements was they have honestly. You know, I'm I'm just were they, well, the three engagements with black men. Hmm. There were black men, all three. Absolutely, yeah. This okay. last. See, look, you saying we part of the problem. You had three engagements, you ain't married none of them. But the the the, the other guy, the last guy, he understood you. See, see, you agree with the He asked it. He asked to marry. He asked to marry. The brothers did. The brothers did though. <laughs> I'm I, I oh. think that we, as a society, and I will agree with this much from the we. I don't know. He didn't say it that way, but my way of saying is that we have a lot of work to do internally. I wanted to go back to the point where you was talking about understanding, right? He can understand my struggle with corporate America and fighting for this understanding. And I think we, there, there's a, there's three levels to, to standing, right? You have inner, under, and outer, mm -hmm. no inner, inner, under, and over. Um, 
understanding is when we gather the research, right? We get an understanding, we're gathering the information, we're gathering the details. Understanding is when we apply the things that we just researched. Overstanding means I have now gathered what I need to, to know the ins and out of the experience. And I think we sometimes default to understanding, right? I need him to understand him. No, you need him to hear you because these are still your experiences. I can, I can recognize your challenges of a fight or the things that you're doing with corporate America. I can recognize this, but I will never completely understand because I'm not experiencing it. Correct. And, and he, would even, never, he would never experience that. And even if I am experiencing it, it's going to look different based on my exposure to it, yes. right? And so getting to, the, getting to the, the point where we can start having a conversation of, I, I, Kev, I don't need you to understand me. One, I just need you to listen to me, right? And if you can somewhat identify things that you have dealt with, I don't really want you to, you know, put us on the same, like, I've been there too. So I don't really want you to gain understanding about my experience. I do want you to validate that my experience is real to me. Yes. Right. And be in that moment to help me through it. But I don't really necessarily want you to necessarily like really understand it because you can't, because you won't have my experience, education or exposure within the matter. But isn't we, that compassion? Yes. Right. But that's empathy. It, 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 yeah, right. That's what I was going to say. It is compassion, right? Compassion is how I show it. Empathy is how I take it in and I recognize mm -hmm. it. Right? So mm -hmm. if, if, I'm, if I'm empathetic mm -hmm. to it, I'm recognizing that this is your experience and mm -hmm. I'm not invalidating it. Mm -hmm. Compassion would be mm. how I show up in that moment so we can experience it together or, right, I can ask you, how can I support you? What do you need in this space? That's good, Ron. So that we can... I'm recording it so that we can pull it out, right? So that we can pull it out at a later date, right? And, and so if compassion is what you need, but I don't really know what your version of compassion looks like, I'm showing you the compassion that I was shown as a child when I fell down or when I was mistreated and my neighbor picked me up and gave me a hug. That's my definition of compassion. Or what my mom did, or what my daddy did. Yeah. yeah. And, and right. So until I yeah. can, until I can create a definition of compassion for us, or as at work, we call it a working definition. Everyone has their own definitions, but this is our working definition for compassion. This is our working definition of conflict resolution. This is our working definition of financial stewardship, right? Jeff alluded to earlier, like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm careful in spending. Like I'll spend things on what I think deserves the value of the things mm -hmm. you're asking. Mm -hmm. But to me, and there was an example in the book, it was like, nah, nigga, you cheap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, oh, when, but, uh, the husband, the husband was like, yo, you need to go get a Benz because you this big corporate lawyer. And yeah. she was like, she didn't feel comfortable doing that. It's like but that's because he because he he had a different value of money. Absolutely yeah. right. And so yeah. until we have this conversation and create a working definition that's going to work within us. Everything, you, everything yeah. you say, I'm a mess. Yeah. One thing that I want to, I want to make make a comment because I don't want to kind of take this uh, conversation and like spin it another way. But I don't know if y'all watch Insecure, but a lot of things that is kind of like talked about, I can, I see them playing out in Insecure. And I'm oh, absolutely. That there. 
Oh, absolutely, right? And hell, we can have a we can schedule an insecure debrief after we watch the whole entire uh, season, right? Oh yeah, I, man, I'm I'm trying to wait to use my HBO, my free I, HBO. I, I'm Max. with it. <laughs> so Issa, yeah, we're gonna do it. <laughs> Issa, Issa only gives us what eight episodes a season, so you you we should almost be towards the end. Yeah, because I'm not paying for HBO to watch them going through all that fuckery, man. I'm right? Sorry. But, like... Calling me cheap, though. I just want to put... I want to put that... <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. No, game recognize game. That's why we're here. Game recognize game. That's why we're here, for sure. sure. But, like, recognizing that moment, thinking about the stuff that we saw in the book, and I, I'm, I'm able to pull out the performance from the performer and read okay. the words that were on the page and pull myself out of it and be like, ah, he's not really talking about me. He's talking about the information that he researched, right? And so now I'm thinking like, hmm, where have I seen this show up? And so when I'm watching TV shows, I'm just like, yep, yep. Or I couldn't I separate the two. I could, like you just said, you could separate those, those, I could not separate fact from Feeling. my re from the reality of just the truth. I could not, I just got so caught up in that's some bullshit. Like, no, this ain't, that's not my reality. But part of it, part of it too, you know, when you talk about where, you know, successful black women, um, they have more of an option to date blue collar men and that media uh, supports that, you know, like Tyler Perry movies. There's always a successful <sighs> struggling sister and she take in a take in a hard working brother like mechanic. a damn stray dog or some shit. A mechanic. And try to build him up a mechanic. Or he had a charge. But that's issues with his baby mama. But then that's <laughs> that also speaks to the narrative, like, yo, we can get someone and we can change them and make them into what we want exactly. them to be. Exactly. But it's we like, can't we can't I don't want you to change. Yeah, no, no, no. Change. We can't do that. Right? Like, don't don't get to the point where we are trying to create this relationship chemical laboratory of redemption right like don't don't go into this thing thinking that i can mold them into who i want them to be because when shit hits the fan you ever back a cat into a corner people revert back to what they used mm -hmm. to absolutely yep. right survival is it's come down to survival absolutely right it's like yo i can i can you want to dress me up and buy these things and take me and show me off to your friends on a family that prays right if we're referencing tyler perry movies right her husband was a construction person. She became successful because she was sleeping with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. But again, it's still about perception. What do I believe for myself? Right. And whatever my reality is of what I believe for myself is what I'm going to invite into. Uh, are those words still off limit? No, Everything. go ahead. No, no, different, you, you different, can, show, you different show. Different show. Yeah. Different show. Just whatever I invite into my experience is what I'm going to bring into my space. And that's what I'm going to attract through my energy. Right. But, but everyone isn't that in tune with, uh, everyone's one, not situational awareness Two, everyone's not doing an internal in a evaluation to find out where the hell am I? So where I can, and what do I need to get to where I need to get to? Right. And like the shirt that I had on a couple of happy hours ago said, hush until you heal. Mm -hmm. We are, we as a people, we get into things and we haven't healed from the last thing that hurt us, right? And so we go into new things and we're still hurting, we're still bleeding, and we're wondering why we're still seeing the same thing. No, he, oh, he's starting to talk to me uh, like that last one did. No, mm -hmm. you are still responding as if he is. But again, kind of bringing it back to what my perception was of the book and the, and the author, I think that he had a very limited perception. 
based off of his experience. That's fair. I, I, to that, I would say based off of his experience, because it sounded like him and his wife were like mm -hmm. groovy, right? They they on the level, they chilling, they good. We ain't had no problems, right? She's successful, I'm successful, we doing this thing successful, but now I'm gonna write this book to point out some of the things that I didn't see. Based off of his external experience, yeah. of what he's, what his external uh, perception was. And that is not everyone's reality. I think also too, when we talk about healing, um, he didn't really dive into this, I think a lot more than it should, should be. When we're talking about relationships, essentially relationships leading to marriage, Black people experience trauma. We don't call it trauma, but we we deal with a lot of stuff. We right? accept it. We accept it. We normalize it. Yeah, we normalize it. Yeah, yeah. Right. I take what happened in Minnesota. Like, if you black, you felt that regardless. Like, mm -hmm. and and what I'm saying is, again, when we talk about relationships, when we talk about going into marriage, I think one of the things that kind of causes issues is we have like pent up and things that we just have not dealt with. That can be either from another partner or just inside with you. You may have a rage that you as an individual need to deal with. And yes. until you deal with that, you can't, you can't really invite somebody into your own space. Mm -hmm. I'm not just talking about into your house. I mean, like in your own space, you enter yes. your face like 24 yeah. seven. So I do think, again, when we talk about healing, we talk about trauma, that's one area that if we really trying to quote unquote save the demise of African American marriage, we we legit have to deal with that stuff. If not, it's gonna always be a struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Everything that he just said. I agree. Good point. So what are your final words? Final words. Final thoughts on is marriage for white people, the book. I, I, my final words are it's unrealistic to put African-Americans in a box that uh, we really don't fit in. So it, it's just an unrealistic expectation. Well, from my standpoint, I feel pretty good actually, Brother Jay. I feel pretty good because based on what uh, Brother, Brother uh, Banks articulated in his book, I'm in a good position, man. I'm in a good position. Relatively successful, got a career, right? According to him, I got plenty of options. <laughs> the world is an oyster, brother Jay. The world is an oyster. But it's gonna be my downfall too, cause I got too many options. Do you really though? <laughs> Do I really? Mm -hmm. I don't see it. I don't see a whole bunch That's of options. It's relevant. Well, I see, I see options, but I also see like, yo, who do I feel worthy enough to develop this script and this blueprint for the marriage if it comes to that point? But like, it, like you, we got to get to that. We got to get to the discussion about the script yeah. and the blueprint first. <laughs> but then it and, also could be like there's some factors that may need to change. I'm sorry, this is closing thoughts. My fault. You know, but I, you know, so we, we got to get to that point. But when you, when you also think about like, I'm 40, man. Any woman I date between 30 and 40, yo, the, the, the biological clock is going to be ticking. 
the author articulated that very well. You know? Ah, is that my problem? Nah, <laughs> not really, <laughs> right? But but am I going to be so closed-minded to ignore that and say, all right, well, I can't date. If, if a woman's telling me she want to have some more kids, then I can't date her. I can't look her away. Is that wrong of me? I don't know. So my part in thoughts, honestly, Brother Jay, is like, you know, there was a lot of doom and gloom, but I also saw some hope. And my, and my thing is like, all right, well, you know, my first marriage ain't work. I, I know how to manage now. And there were a couple of pieces of game in the book that maybe I could at least uh, put as discussion items on the table, which was cool. You know, but I, you know, I, I, I don't think that, I don't think as educated black men, like, yo, we ain't to blame for this shit, man. <laughs> We just Why? not like you, you charging us for being ambitious and trying to come from humble beginnings and beat the odds. Right. But then when you get there, it's like, well, now nah, you've you done such a good job and maneuvering in life. Then, oh, well, you also have you have to settle or you have to open up your your uh, your imagination to more possibilities. Or do I? So I don't know, man. It was a, it was a decent read. I don't agree. The data, it was very telling, though. But I also don't think it's our responsibility to put the fate of, of uh, black marriage on our backs and force ourselves into particular situations that we might not be fit for. I guess for me, um, so before I get into this book, all, people who about to get married, I always say, ask them two questions. <laughs> Have you taken marriage prep and financial peace? If you want to be married, that is my recommendation for you to help you have a long-lasting marriage. So that's that. In terms of the book, the first question, is marriage for white people? I don't think the author has convinced me that marriage is for white people based off what I read. I am not convinced that marriage is for white people and it ain't for black people. Again, not convinced by this book. The second part, how the African-American marriage decline affects everyone. Again, using that term, I thought what he, he really was going to, the point that he was going to kind of bring to home is, look, if African-American marriages fail, everybody is doomed. Black, white, other. That's where I thought he would be going. Mm -hmm. yeah, Again, yeah. that is not a point that I got from this book. Um, but when I think about what I read in general, there was a lot of things that just had me just thinking more. Like, it's almost like, I never really thought about it from that angle. I'm not gonna say I agree with a lot of what was in the book. I think I thought it was points that were made that just made me kind of like, hmm, let me let me think about that. Or just like the data, like, okay. Uh, for me again, I, in my personal life, I'll always feel like, hey, at some point I'm gonna get married. And then you get a little bit older. And I mean, I'm not that old, but I, at one point I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just co-parent. Like, <laughs> I'm good with that. But after reading this book, one of the things that was brought up to me, um, I want you to think about legacy. So in, I think it's the last chapter. What's the chapter that talks about fear? Mm -hmm. Use it from a different context, but it's it, it, the, the title of this uh, section is called Assimilation Anxiety. They're talking about, you know, the fact that a 
why black women, one of the reasons black women may not want to uh, marry someone who is white or essentially have kids by them is because the kids may be biracial, the kids don't identify with being black. Essentially, all of that black like legacy, that black history is lost. So looking at that from a different angle, I'm now like saying like, you know what, maybe I want to be more so married. One of the reasons being is like legacy, making sure that that legacy is continued and like it's not lost. And it's not to say, hey, if I choose a co-parent, that couldn't happen. I just know that adds another layer to it because I'm not there on a daily basis. So me being able to like stress like the importance of certain things may just get lost in um, translation. So in terms of the book, would I recommend it? I would say if somebody is okay with kind of having a, a good amount of data while they're reading, I would say read it. If that's not your thing, I'll be like, you may not want to um, pick this up or you're going to have to kind of like get through the, the front part of the book. But nonetheless, um, I didn't see this book as being like a waste of time. It definitely opened my eyes. Yeah, I think for me, um, it did make me reflect on where I got the idea of marriage from. It made me examine the relationships that I admired growing up. Um, but it didn't make me shift that admiration. It just looks different now, right? Because as a kid, I was looking upward at the relationship. Now as an adult, I'm, I'm looking directly at it on the level, on the surface of what it is. And I am now able to look beyond what I was looking up to as a kid to look beyond what they were showing us. Um, but ultimately, with the data, you know, with that empirical information, I, I think this book has challenged me to have more conversations so that we can be better than what the numbers indicate. And I think, I think we potentially are. I think it's a subset. Um, I think that we, we do know individuals who are better than what those numbers were in the book. And um, I think we as individuals need to start having these conversations within our groups before people get married, right? Like, I don't want to have this conversation at your reception, taking bets on how long I think this shit going to last. Like, and I don't want to be like buying a wedding gift and be like, well, shit, I'm not spending more than 70 bucks because these niggas ain't going to be married longer than seven weeks and so like i don't want to i don't want to do that because i have been to weddings where i'm just like mm, just put 25 dollars in the card uh i can lose 25 dollars and seven dollars for that card but the fact that you no know, or you get married and i have to get a plane i gotta get a hotel i got to do all this other stuff and like ah no, I don't think this is working. But And so I want to get us to the point where we can switch the narrative to where everyone's talking about marriage, whether it's for me or not. But if you express that you want to get married as your friend or as someone that you are telling me about this before it happens, right? I want to ask some questions to hold you accountable as another black man or as another black woman. Like, yo, have you done these things as a person and have you done them to Together as a couple so that once you say I do you never get to the point where you're not willing to or say I don't and so ultimately I think this book has forced me to want to be better than what the numbers indicated um, and to have those conversations more often within my group